and welcome to the Let's Talk Autism podcast. I'm Michelle Davey and this is my co-host. I'm Christelle Leia. How are you doing today? Hello, Christelle. How are you? <laughs> Excited to be back? Obviously, all the time. I'm so happy to be with you, my co-host. <laughs> now, Chris, oh, we, we actually see each other in person, not through Zoom the other day. That was exciting, wasn't it? That was so lovely. Yeah. But I felt like I see you every day, but yeah, it was... <laughs> It was really nice to meet up and, you know, touch your skin. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Run and my be, fingers and be through on your hair. All right. <laughs> Unless I tell it when I say crits. But it was, nice, it was nice to be on the home the home turf as well, Chris, for me. It's been yeah. a while. London so turf. That, yes, it was nice. Yes, to, to touch base, basically. It's been a bit hard going, actually, getting back into routine with the children because, obviously, they were at school, we were off school. Then he, yeah. then my little boy got a little bit poorly. So then he was off again. So it's, and then, it's kind of yeah, it's just a bit. They're gonna every, be off soon again, aren't they? After yeah, I just I just feel like yeah, everything's a little bit. There's a lot of changes going on at the moment, which seem to be making my son a little bit anxious about the world and what's going on. So we're trying to keep things very settled, but we're having quite a lot of issues with getting ready for school, getting mm. to school at the moment. Uh, which right. is why we really want some guests. And this is something that <clears throat> I feel like this is that we've kind of ignored a massive section, really, Chris. Really? Something that our guests really speak to us about uh, when we sort of DM people, when I have private chats with people, is schooling, homeschooling, transferring to specialist schools, mm. schooling in general, EHCPs. And I know right. we've covered those things in little parts in the past, but actually what we've planned is to do a whole season now four episodes yeah on schooling so we are doing a massive shout out for anybody who wants to share their if you're an autistic person and you want to share your experiences of schooling if you want to share your experiences of mainstream schooling specialist schooling if you're a parent of an autistic child and want to speak about your journey with um with schooling and and how it's progressed if you're professional and you want to talk ehcps uh i know we have our regular senko and mole that come on mole, yeah. <laughs> and tell us all about things from the professional side so anything like that then please do shout us because that is something that we're going to be be planning and carrying out soon is a series of episodes um all mm. about concentrating on schooling before the Christmas well, you, you might want you might want to speak to me actually because I've been asked to come into my son's school for a week really what for yes um I think because what I know is obviously when we do our regular meetings just to see because he's in a mainstream setting at the moment mm-hmm. um just to see how he's doing is he coping is he progressing etc I've noticed that this my son feels as if he runs his school. <laughs> yes. He's the boss. It, he, it seems as though he is the boss there. There's um, yeah. <laughs> but they can <laughs> see, they can see that there's things that I can get him to do that he doesn't necessarily do at school. Okay. So they did ask me to come in for a week just so I could see how they are doing things and also right. so they can see how I do things so that we can all kind of do better for him does that make sense okay so you're um, going in as a teaching assistant basically for the week yeah sort of so I'll be there for one week um just in the mornings um it I think it will be good but the only downside I would say is that 
I think he's going to get attached to me being there. Mm, yeah. <laughs> what yeah. does the Senko say about it? Mm, yeah, they, they think it's a good idea. I just see, because I did say to them, they said, like, for example, when he goes to school, he takes mm-hmm. his shoes off. Right, okay. And he wants to run around outside barefooted, which is really dangerous, you know, mm. especially if he's climbing, like climbing frames, it's really bad. Um, but at home, like let's say if you take him to the park, he wouldn't do such a thing. Yeah. He he wouldn't he wouldn't take his um shoes off. So it's it's seen why is he doing certain things at home, not not doing certain things at home, but he is doing certain things in school. And I think it's just because he does feel like in school he's able to get away with certain things. So when I went on a school trip with him the other day. Which guy? I, I, I t- we went to um, the park, like Victoria oh, okay. Park. Yeah. yeah. Um, they were like doing some stuff on conkers and leaves and trees and you know all the natural stuff in life. Autumn, yeah, autumn. And he was not, he wasn't interested one bit. <laughs> as soon as he saw the <laughs> playground, he was off like whoop. Beginning. That's hard, Chris. Because do you take him to that park yourself? Don't you? Yeah. So I did say to them, the problem is once he sees the park, he will no longer yeah. be interested because he knows your routine. When you go to that park, he's to yeah. go on that play area, isn't it? Yeah. But even though we went to a different part of the park, because that park is massive. We went to a different part of the park that we haven't been to, but he just knew there is a playground somewhere here. And as soon as he saw it, he was off. But once he had had a good half an hour play there, then he was okay, ready to go back with the rest of the class. Yeah. Okay. But he kind of had to get that out of his system. But when we first went, he, he was not understanding why was I still in the classroom. <laughs> and I could tell what he was trying to think of. He's thinking he wants to escape and do stuff. But he's looking at me thinking, I can't do that yet because mum's here. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, so it's going to be really interesting. Um, was he giving you side eye? He was giving me real side eye. <laughs> <laughs> like, why are you here? And after about 10 minutes, he's like, oh, mom's here. You know, let's have fun kind of thing. It'll be interesting to see how it all develops with me being in, a, in school for a week. Well, Christelle, if you ever want any advice, I am, from, I am a school teacher. Well, from a, te- from a teacher? <laughs> I'm a teacher. I can, I can, I can, you know, I can give you some advice the next week. Mm-hmm. You know, just give you a few so, pointers. Yeah. So you might not even need all those guests. You can just interview me. Okay, so today we've got Carla coming on from Instagram account, Cameron right. Smell. She's mm. going to be telling us all about her son. He's autistic and he also has a disease called Nori disease. And we're going to be hearing all about the fundraising they're actually doing at the moment um, in aid of swimming pool for Cameron. Okay. We love a good fundraiser. We love a good coffee morning. Would you love a coffee morning? Let's grab a cup of coffee. Let's get on with it, Chris. Let's crack on. Hit the music. And welcoming on to the Let's Talk Autism podcast today, we have got Carla from Instagram account, Cameron Smile. Hiya, Carla. Hello. So good to have you on. Really, really excited. So today we're going to be talking about Cameron. Cameron is autistic uh, and he also has Nori disease, doesn't he? Yes, he does. So tell us a little bit about Cameron, first of all. Okay, so yeah, we didn't find out Cameron had Nori disease until he was about eight weeks old, where I first noticed something was different with his eyes. So Nori disease is usually uh, only present in males and they are usually born completely blind. And then they later develop a progressive secondary symptom of progressive hearing loss. 
And then it may or may not come with other things like autism, ADHD, epilepsy. So Cameron has quite complex needs. He's non-verbal and he's tube fed as well. And he's now suffering with losing his mobility due to tiptoe walking. So he's currently waiting for tendon release surgery just to help him with the pain side of things really and when you notice that something wasn't quite right and you've now gone to the doctors and they've given you the diagnosis and had you ever heard of the disease before no no and when, and when was it Carla was it in in the hospital like did you know while you was pregnant or it was only once yeah so my pregnancy was completely fine he passed all the newborn chat which I don't I can't quite get my head around because nobody noticed anything wrong with his eyes in the in the hospital and it wasn't until he was about six weeks old I've got an older daughter so I started comparing and I was thinking he's not really he's not really looking around and reacting to things in the way that my older daughter did and that's when I went to the doctors and I don't know I just had a gut feeling and I knew something was different about him yeah and how did you feel you know once you now knew and had given you the prognosis and thinking ahead about the future, how did you think or were you thinking, how am I going to deal with this? How did you feel? I can only describe it as like a grieving process because I felt absolutely devastated. I mean, I've never really been around a blind person before or children with disabilities or anything like that. So, I mean, I was really scared, yeah, when when they said that he would have Nori disease and which would mean he was blind and then it may come with other symptoms later on down the line. Yeah, it was just a really frightening time. And I guess that it's a very rare disease. Um, I'm just saying that because I've never heard of it before. So how did the diagnosis go? Did they have to do a series of tests or is it that they just looked at him and said, OK, this is what it is well yeah it is it is so rare that not not many doctors know at all about the condition we we were seen in our local eye hospital and there was one consultant there that had previous experience with this condition and he examined Cameron and said it it looked like nori disease but it could possibly be something else. So then Cameron had to then go on to have an MRI scan and then um, genetic testing as well. And so is it something that is genetic, Carla? Yes, I I later went on to have genetic testing and found out I was the carrier. So Mm. um, it's never came up in my family before that I'm aware of. So usually women are the carriers and then there's a 50% chance of um, the the males having the symptoms. So I've got two daughters and when they're old enough to decide whether they want children, they will have to have, if they wish, to have genetic testing to find out if they too are carriers and then their boys would have 50% chance as well. Wow, okay. And what is life like day-to-day with Cameron there are there are challenges but he's just the most amazing little boy he's changed our life for the better like why why my page is called Cameron smiles because if you see a, if you see a picture of Cameron you know I was his, just gonna his, say this to you, yeah. <laughs> yeah his smile just lights up the room and mm. He just has so much appreciation for life and the little things that we take for granted and we don't necessarily notice day to day. 
he just makes you appreciate things in a different way. Yeah, I was going to say to you about your page being called Cameron Smog. So whenever I see a picture of him, it makes me smile because he, he's just so happy, isn't it? He just beams yeah. from him. Yeah, he he's happiest over like the, the smallest little things make make him happy. And it's just so lovely. Oh, and, and does he, in schooling, does he go to a specialist school? How, how old is he? Yeah, he's eight years old now. He'll be nine in December. And he attends a local specialist school for various disabilities and needs. And he's been attending that school since he was three years old. And you said that you've got uh, two older daughters? I've got an older daughter and a younger daughter. And and how is their relationship? How's their sibling relationship? They are so brilliant with Cameron. I couldn't wish for better siblings for him. They're just so understanding and really helpful and loving. And yeah, it's just wonderful to see. And also what I was going to ask you is we've had a lot of guests on before talk to us about non, non-verbal and Christelle, your son, isn't he, is pre-verbal. In regards to Cameron, so Cameron is deaf and and also blind yes so in terms of communication a lot of people think oh they we've had this before and we've spoke to people and they think just because somebody is non-verbal you know or pre-verbal that there is no communication but can you just talk to us a little bit about communication with Cameron yeah so um I'll start off by saying as well because Cameron's deaf blind a lot of people think that is completely blind and completely deaf but deaf blindness is actually a spectrum so he is completely blind but he has got some useful hearing there um he hasn't lost it completely and he does wear hearing aids so he is able to pick up certain sounds and um certain bits of speech when i'm talking to him in his left ear yeah i would just say that just because he's nonverbal doesn't mean that he's non understanding he he certainly understands when when we talk to him and a lot a lot of his communication is through behavior and gestures and body language and we try to introduce a form of communication with Cameron a lot of it's quite tactile so we try to use a form of sign language but we have to adapt it slightly because he has no useful vision it's through touching certain parts of his body or on his hands making different shapes so that he understands that It can take a long time for him to understand that concept, um, but the understanding is definitely there. And we also use things like objects of reference. So whereas some children use pecs, cards and things that are quite visual, we have to make things quite tactile. So Cameron recognises the material and shapes of different objects to understand things that are what's happening next and to be able to make choices and that sort of thing. That's so interesting. So it's all really sensory sort of by touch. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, So Carla, you're organising a fundraiser and I understand that that's to do with your son getting physiotherapy long term wise. Can you tell us a little bit about that, please? Yeah. So Cameron started walking at the age of about three. He was very delayed reaching his milestones 
And um, due to his sensory needs, he's always tiptoe walked. He's wore orthotic boots and had regular physiotherapy to support his muscles. But over the last year or two, he started to get really tight muscles causing pain. And he's he's losing range of movement in his right foot now. And his left is getting worse too. So we're currently waiting for surgery on the NHS. But due to COVID and the backlog of all of that, it's just been an absolute nightmare waiting for everything to to happen. So he's been struggling in a lot of pain. And the one thing that helps him is hydrotherapy and the water, not only for his sensory needs, because he absolutely loves it, but for the pain side of things. So what we've decided to do is um, the most beneficial thing for Cameron after he has tendon release surgery is for him to receive regular hydrotherapy and physio. And we are really lucky with the specialist school that he goes to. He does receive those therapies in school, but not enough regular physio. We want him to be able to access things outside of school as well on a regular basis, just to help with the pain side of things, because this is probably going to be long, long term for him. So we decided to set up a fundraiser for Cameron to install a swim spa at home, which will give Cameron hydrotherapy and I'll be able to get in the pool with him or his carers to carry it carry out physio and stretches and and that sort of thing. We've teamed up with a local fundraiser called Darren Sims who runs a charity called Daz's Rock for Charity. And he's well on the way to raising just short of a million pounds for causes in and around Bristol. He's just an amazing man. He, he never stops. I don't know when he finds the time to sleep, to be honest. So yeah, he's chosen to help Cameron. And we've set up a number of events to get to get the ball rolling because we need to raise £22,000 to achieve this. Um, which is a bit of a scary, wow. scary amount. <laughs> and how, how, what is your, your total at the moment? Um, so we've, we started about two weeks ago. So we're very early days and we've raised about 1500 pounds so far, start, which um, is amazing because we haven't actually done any events yet, really. Yeah. Um, so I've been, yeah, I've just been overwhelmed by the support. I've been like I've posted on my Instagram and Facebook and I've had businesses and individuals approach me saying that they would love to support us, which um yeah, is is just really lovely. So we've set up the, the first fundraiser is next Friday the 15th of October where myself and a friend will be holding a coffee morning in our local shopping centre. And then on the evening, we've got a live gig in a local pub where we're going to be doing music, raffle, auction, face painting. People have even offered to do sponsored head shave and waxing. Oh, wow. <laughs> like everyone's getting involved. So, yeah, I think it'll be good fun. Oh, great. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Where can people find out more about the fundraiser, where it's been held and where, how they can donate? We can donate? put the link up as well. Yeah, so if you log on to my Instagram or Facebook account, I'm Cameron Smile, and I post lots of things on there about all the upcoming events, all my posters, and then the Just Given link is on there as well. 
Oh, thank you, Carla. Carla, can I ask you something quickly? Um, with this condition, with his legs uh, and the procedure and everything that's going on, is that to do with Norrie disease or is that to do with kind of to do with the autism? It's just because my son drags his feet and we've been to physio and we've been to occupational health. Basically said that there's nothing wrong physically or developmentally with his feet. Yeah, is it's kind of neurological kind of thing. It's it's the way he feels. I I don't know. It's something that he's just got used to doing. So actually, his feet aren't. You know, physically, his feet don't need to turn in. I don't know if that makes sense. But when he gets tired or when he gets certain feelings and emotions, he starts doing that. And I know that tiptoeing can be quite a. Some people say, and I feel bad because I know it's a quite stereotypical thing to say, is that a lot of autistic children will tiptoe walk. Heard that before. So is it the autism or is it Nori? Yeah. So is is not related to Nori disease whatsoever. And Cameron seems to present so differently to other people with Nori disease as well. He he seems to have a lot more complex needs than others but I I definitely do think that it is related to him being autistic I think a lot of it is a sensory need as well yeah and and I know it might be related to his blindness because he um he obviously does he struggles with like the perception of like where he is in space and things so I've had physios and OT explain it to me before where they say he's really like pushing pushing up on his toes and tensing so that he can get as much feedback from the floor as possible yeah um and yeah because I mean he before his muscles tightened he could physically put his feet flat he just chose not to and he would get right right up onto the balls of his feet um and really really tiptoe but doing that like for a prolonged amount of time that's obviously what's made his muscles so tight and they've shortened so now he can't physically get them flat which is causing the pain but I know it can be quite quite common in lots of children with various disabilities yeah so it's more like a a sensory thing as you're saying yeah it's just I I just remember them saying and that's why my son sort of drags he's he's never really tiptoed but he he drags his feet like we go yeah so many pairs of shoes it's untrue (laughs) he scuffs the front out of them continually because he just drags his feet if he's feeling tired if he's grumpy or if he's sort of having a real bad day that's just something he'll do and he'll sort of complain himself that his feet and his legs are hurting and and I know it's the way he's now walking <laughs> if he's yeah. back from school dragging and turning his foot in that's why it's now causing him pain but yeah yeah I think it is definitely probably more of a sensory need and Ka- Cameron just seems so unique compared to the other children with I know everyone's different anyway but with Nori disease his his needs are just very very different to yeah. to other people so yeah have you ever met another parent with a child with Nori disease yes I have actually a couple of years ago well what, after Cameron was first diagnosed with Nori disease I just like went on the internet googling and you know all the all the research that you do and um, I came across a Nori support group so I joined it 
And Norrie is so rare. I think there's probably about a thousand known cases worldwide. So not many people at all. So that really, um, going on that group really helped me connect with other parents. And then a few years ago, a parent of a child with Norrie disease set up um, a charity in the UK, the Norrie Disease Foundation. And they started organising family meetups so pre-COVID, obviously, we've had a few meetups, mainly in London, where people were travelling from all over the UK, where about 20 families, I'd say, would meet up. And it would be parents of children with Norrie disease, but also adults living with Norrie disease as well. Yeah, that was lovely to be able to do that. Yeah, I bet that was really like sort of comforting as well, wasn't it, to actually speak to people with it? Actually, I know it's I know we can always speak to other people, but sometimes it's just really helpful and comforting to speak to somebody that actually actually really knows what you're going through. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because um, although I speak to lots of families on my Instagram account and things like that, it's really hard to come across children. Well, I know lots of families with visual impairment, but complete blindness, yeah, it's really hard and really rare to come across. So to be able to actually connect with other people going through the same thing is, yeah, it's really good. Well, Carla, thanks so much for coming on and, you know, raising awareness about Nori disease. I probably pronounced it wrong. And the best of luck <laughs> with the fundraising. I hope that people really get involved and, you know, that you hit your target. And obviously we'll definitely be sharing it on Let's Talk Autism and all yeah. other social media platforms so best and of please, luck yeah and please do keep us updated as well yeah thank you thanks for inviting me on